Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us for this interview. Uh, let's turn off the sound here. Okay, cool. If you guys have any questions, there's a chat section on the side. You can um, write any questions or comments there, and we can see it as you're writing it. So we can incorporate any questions you have into the interview. Um, today, well, first of all, my name is Doreen Benyamin. I am a Columbia Law student. And today, I'm interviewing Samantha Simpson. She's a second year Columbia Law student. She is originally from New York, from Yonkers, and um, she attended Spelman College for undergrad. And currently at Columbia Law School, she's involved with the Black Law Students Association. She's on the board of Empowering Women of Color. She is on the Race and Law Journal, and she is part of the Rutgers Island Book Club. She'll talk about all of these. And she's also a high school law institute mentor. All right, we're so excited to have you, Sam. Thank, Thank you, you for doing this. Um, Sam also actually has her own YouTube channel. We'll be talking about that as well. It's pretty unique in the uh, law school community to have your own YouTube channel. So, And you've been doing it for how long has it been now? Maybe maybe like three or four months. Okay. Maybe even on YouTube. Yeah, three or four months. Okay. So um, the point of this interview and this uh, channel is kind of to give people an idea of what it's like to be in law school and the path that different people have taken. So what I'd like to do with you is kind of talk about where you've come from and what it's like now and maybe a little bit also about what you're maybe thinking about for the future. Okay. So maybe let's start with just briefly a little bit about the LSAT because I know a lot of people who are watching this have an interest in the LSAT. Okay. Um, so as far as the LSAT, <clears throat> the way I studied was rather unique. Like I didn't take a course or anything. So the summer before my junior year, it was my junior year is when I took the exam. I went straight through for anyone who would know. So I graduated um, in 2016 from Spelman. So the summer before my junior year, I was a member of the Ron Brown Prep Program, which is a prep program hosted at St. John's University Law School. And there is when we really just started to get a feel for the application process, the LSAT, and things like that. So fast forwarding to the beginning of my junior year, what I did was I, I found an accountability buddy, is what I like to call him. Um, and we basically studied together, right? So the way that process, what that process looked like for us was maybe four exams a week, um, taking them in the morning, going over them in the evenings, and then reading like supplementary materials maybe once a week and going over those. So that was from about August to October, because I took the October exam. And at that point he was done studying. I decided that I wanted to take it again in December. So then from that point on, from that October period to that December frame, I was just like self-prepping. What made you decide you want to continue studying? Um, I felt like I didn't feel confident at all after I took the exam. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have to keep going. Cause like, I can't wait for the grades to come out. And then, so like, I kept studying. And then like, when I did get my scores back, a lot of people were like, no, like you're fine, like apply. And then I was just like, no, nah, I want to take it again. So I did take it again in December. Yeah. Did you know at that point where you wanted to apply and things like that? Like, did you have a certain score in mind? I didn't have a certain score in mind, but I just felt like, I felt a lot more confident when I was doing the practice exam. So I just knew personally, like I can do better. Um, so even before getting the grade, I knew I could do better. Uh, but I didn't have a, a certain school or a certain score in mind. I guess I would say I was leaning towards UCLA because I wanted to go to California. Don't know how I ended up back in New York. <laughs> no, I do, but um, so, but I wasn't like, oh my God, I need to get this certain score. I was just like, I'm gonna do my best. That's how I was kind of thinking about it and framing it. At what point did you start thinking about the fact that you even wanted to go to law school? Because I know you, you, uh, you started working when you were 13, which is really, really young. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm just curious from when you were 13, or I don't know, maybe even before, like when did, you, when did it even come up for you? So for me, when I realized that I wanted to go to law school, that was actually in college. Okay, right? so, so you're at Spelman. I'm at Spelman, I'm at Spelman. And to take a step back prior to even considering law school, when I entered college, I didn't know what I wanted to major in. I was traditionally good at like math and science, so I thought I naturally was gonna go into some kind of science field. But Spelman is unique in the sense that for two weeks before we even begin school, we have an orientation period, and in that orientation period, you're allowed to take courses in different majors. So from there, I took political science courses, right? Because I really loved it. Like, I, I think I, went, I sat it on a biology class, I sat it on political science class, I sat it on 
a couple other humanities courses and I was just like, nah, this is for me. So I wasn't even gonna go into school undecided. I went straight into my major, poli sci, and through political science, I really enjoyed the law classes. So a lot of the electives were law-based. Like I think I took business law, race and law, con law, and I just knew that there was something more that I wanted to explore here. So I then did an internship um, my freshman summer at City Hall in Yonkers, and I really liked it. I loved it, and I was like, okay. What I kind of work did you do? So then I had no idea what I was doing, right? Like I was, <laughs> I was a freshman in college, yeah. But they just really just had me summarizing transcripts and looking at different depositions. I think it was a lot of them just giving me busy work because they had, they knew I had no idea what I was doing. But for me, I was like, oh yeah, I'm here. I'm reading about this case. I'm sitting in court. Like I was excited. I was really excited. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of how I started thinking about law school and get more involved in it. That's cool. Okay, so you you're part of a. Well, actually, I was gonna ask you. So, did you have any family or mentors or anything like that who are also in law? In law, um, it wasn't until I realized that I wanted to go to law school and I sought out some mentors, right? So yeah. after that period that I said that I worked at City Hall, my yeah. sophomore year then, <clears throat> excuse me, I started to set up meetings with different lawyers and kind of just ask them what it was like. And then I joined the Sister to Sister Mentoring Program, which is a program at Spelman that pairs you with um, an older sister that's in the field that you want to study in. So I got a sister who um, went to law school and she went to Columbia. And it's a funny story because I actually wasn't even thinking about applying to Columbia. But when we had the conversation about law school, she was like, why don't you just apply to Columbia? You know, like, you know New York. I don't understand why you want to go home. Because she was also from New York. She's from the Bronx. So that was that. So, okay, I would imagine that you could say, sorry, since someone just wrote something. Oh. Okay, we will be talking about that. Thank you for your question um, about student organizations. Well, we will come to that. Um, uh, uh, so I would say that the moment that you had with um, your Spelman sister, um, where she was mentoring you and kind of gave you the idea or like made you think about Columbia in a different way, that mm -hmm. could be considered a turning point. And I'm just curious if there are other turning points, points that you can think about. First, specifically about like deciding to go into law in the first place, because I know you, you mentioned like you did political science, you sat in classes or like your classes kind of influence you. But are there any certain specific turning points that you could think back and you're like, I know I want to go into law, or even in general, like affecting your career path. Okay. It's a lot, I know. <laughs> no, that's fine, that's fine. So in general, affecting my career path, ooh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a way back one, right? So I would say that a moment that always sticks out to me as far as like the, traje the trajectory that I took was when I was in high school. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, right? Like. I thought I wanted to go to college because my parents stressed education, but I was a first-generation college student, so I had no idea what that even meant. And I guess going to college, yeah, yeah. Like I had, I didn't know what it looked like, what the process would be like, you know, like what are the SATs, what are the ACTs, etc. What about? Did you have older siblings? I had one older brother, and he went to trade school, so he didn't go to college. Okay. I, was, I was the first person in my um, family. family to go to college. Okay. My immediate family, not my extended family, but okay. I didn't really just talk to them much. And my younger brother then followed in my footsteps, but. That said, like my assistant principal came to me and she was just like, you know, actually funny story, funny story. <laughs> it's a funny story actually. Okay. I'll take it back. I actually got in trouble in high school. Okay. Um, for silly thing, for like waving at my friend through the mirror, through the, the window. In while she was while, in class. While she was in class, yeah. yeah. And the principal saw me and he was like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, he started basically going off on me. And then he took me to his office. I was like, wow. like. I was mind blown, right? Because I never got in trouble. So then that's when the other woman who I was saying, my assistant principal saw me and she was just like, like, who are you? Like, why don't I know who you are? She was like, you, like you're in trouble, but I don't know you, if that makes sense. And yeah. she was like, okay, it's because you don't get in trouble. Right. So then after that, I guess she like looked into me, started asking around, and that's when she saw me and was like, you know, like I really think you should go on this tour. Um, and it was a historically black college and universities tour. So then that's when I visited Spelman. And that's when I literally was just like, this is for me. Right. Did you visit any? So what were the other schools that you had visited? The other schools we visited. So we visited Howard. These yeah. are the ones I can remember. Are they New York? A lot. No. So this tour was all, I think, it, I can't remember where it started, but I 
it may have been Washington DC. That may have was been it. It was like a group of people that went together. Yeah, it was like fifty or sixty people wow. that went on the tour. It was and a lot of people. So how did the other people get on the tour? Yours was through your assistant principal, but how did other people find out about it? Yeah, I don't know because I was the only one from my school that was there. Right, yeah. like it was a bunch of different schools. A lot of them were upstate New York. Um, a number of them were in Yonkers, and some were in the city. Like it was all different kinds of schools that were involved. So I have no idea how they found out, but that was specifically how I got plugged in. Yeah. That's cool. So yeah, so then I went to Spelman, and I fell in love. And I was like, this is, this is where I'm going to go. I'm going to find a way. No matter what, I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> well, what, what, what was it about someone that was like, did you meet a lot of people there? Like, did you get a chance to talk to people while you were there? I talked to... It's a tough decision, like deciding where you want to go for college, I think. Well, it was easy for me, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. Saying, but I, like most people don't have that where it's like such an easy, you know? I just knew immediately, right? Like one, everyone looked like me. Right, that was the first time. So my school in high school, although it was technically more diverse, right, because there were like Hispanic students, white students, black students, etc. All of my classes, I was always like one of two, one of two black students, one of three black students. So when I had that experience, um, I like fell in love immediately, right? Everyone looked like me. And I knew that that was a place where I can then hone my craft while not feeling like I stuck out or not feeling like I had, um, external factors playing into it so I thought that was really interesting and the conversations that I have with people like I, I can definitely say I can't remember any names but think back to the the conversations I had and I was like while you were touring I want to be like you yeah were they like it was it they were ambitious or like it was just everything their ambition the way they spoke how eloquent what they were like everything about them it was just like a Spelman woman and I after attending that I can say that that experience mirrors my experience over the four years there so that's great. I feel like sometimes we do these programs and they're not really like what the school's actually like. So it's great that you actually had an experience Agreed. that showed you what it's like. Um, the people, uh, so the, the, your Spelman sisters, is it all, it's not an all girls school. It is. It it's is all, all girls college, yeah. Wow. Um, and they come from all over the country or is it mm -hmm. primarily from Georgia? No, it's all over the country, different countries. Like, so there were people wow. from different places in Africa. A lot of the Oprah scholars like went to No school. way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Oprah was at our graduation. No <laughs> way! I love Oprah, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, and then so you still keep in touch with a lot of people from there? I do. Okay. Did a lot of them end up in law school? No. Like, I, I know, um, and it was interesting because it was so small, there were like a community of us, like studying for the LSAT, going through the application process, visiting the same professors, you know, stringing along information. But I feel like maybe about seven or eight people that I know um, went straight into law school. Some people deferred, some people took the LSAT, did well, didn't do well, um, and just decided not to go. And then, um, yeah. So then a lot of people from my class though are going this year. Okay. Is interesting. So I guess because you're straight through, off. so mm -hmm. most people do take time off. Even, mm -hmm. Like, especially at Columbia, a lot of people are not straight through. Yeah. Um, okay, so how did you approach the application process? Did you have like, specific way did your mentors tell you this is what you should do i know one of them were the like one of your mentors told you to apply to columbia but did you have mm -hmm. like specific approach to the law school application process you also did the pre-law program yeah so i was I gonna guess, say yeah, okay, so yeah. a lot of yeah. a lot of my planning was formed in that stage right yeah. like while i was at the ron brown prep program you know i wrote my personal statement you know had a couple people look over it kind of tweaked and tried to perfect the writing um had all the information I needed in advance, had a timeline mm -hmm. for when I needed to get my recommendation letters in. So literally, I can't remember the exact date, but very early on I was like, okay, I have to get these letters. I have to have a certain amount of letters by this point, et cetera. So that was helpful. Um, what else? Had a, knew when I wanted to take the LSAT, had everything ready by the time I took the LSAT. The first, the, in October? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so like, by the time you took it in December again, everything was already ready. Well, everything was ready by October. Yeah, I just exactly. wanted to like retake right, it. Right, right. So, so everything else was ready. You just retook the LSAT. Mm -hmm. Like all my recommendations were in. They were on um, LSAC. Uh, my statements were and done. you were in school through yeah. all of this. Yeah. yeah. It's um, all about balance. <laughs> do you have any tips about the application process that you've learned now that you've gone through it? Yeah. Like, so, what was the hardest part? I guess that's two questions. The most difficult part about it? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the most difficult part was making sure other people got everything in on time. Really? Which would be like staying on top of your recommenders. Okay. Making sure they get that in because that was very irritating. But as far as like tips that I wish I would have known, 
um, because it's rolling admissions, try to get it in as soon as possible. Yeah. Right? Like, don't yeah. wait. Yeah. Um, because you're like, I'll be fine. Like, no one's applying by February. No one's applying by December, et cetera. Still, try to get it in as soon as possible because you literally have a greater chance of getting in when there are more seats. Um, application process. I wrote everything. I don't know if you wrote everything. Like, I know. Yeah. Like, so, like, I answered every question. Oh, you um, mean? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't think I did the... Yeah, actually, I think I did two essays, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I wrote every question. Yeah. So, like, I remember, like, Georgetown had those... Um, did you apply to Georgetown? No. Well, they had, like, some essays, like, small essays. I wrote all of them. I made a video. Like, I wow. Did. I literally... <laughs> I did a lot. <laughs> so, when you were... So, then, when you were deciding on Columbia, what factors were you considering? So, to narrow it down, mm -hmm. um, I got into every school except for one. Wow. So, I was... I How many did you apply to? Like 14, like 14, 15. So I ended up um, choosing, I ended up narrowing my decision down to Columbia, UCLA, um, Michigan, and that was it. Like those were the last three. Why Michigan? Honestly, money. Okay, they were like, giving you a lot of money. Okay. A lot of money. Like, uh, yeah, they were giving a lot of money. So, and then also I had a conversation with one of the representatives who went to Morehouse. Mm -hmm. So he like literally flew to Atlanta to meet with us. He had lunch with us. And I thought that was really interesting, but the fact that they went that extra mile. And they, each, and they also like wrote things on my acceptance letter. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like literally like hand wrote like yeah. good personal statement like this, I like this. So I thought that was also interesting to show like they went the extra mile. And then I felt like maybe when I attended the school, that kind of um, experience would be reflective throughout my entire experience there. Yeah. So it came down to those three and I visited UCLA for a minute students weekend. I really liked California. So I was really on the fence. Like, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Then Who I visited- like California? Right. <laughs> That was my first I'm time in LA, too. so that was my first time was in LA. Time. That was my first time. You've been back LA. since, right? A few mm -hmm. times. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. So I really liked it. Yeah. And then I decided to uh, attend the admitted students at Columbia. I really just wanted a free ticket, to be honest, because I wanted to come home. Yeah. Uh, to see my family. People do that. <laughs> right. But then I ended up going to the admitted students event, and I just loved the environment. Right. Like the people, um, the people of color also the, the staff, like the general student body. I just loved all the experiences that I was having there. And I would say, kind of like my predictions with Spelman, my predictions here were right. And my experience was reflective of the experience that I did have during Admitted Students Day. So I think it was a good fit for me. Okay. I feel like that's unique. Like I don't, I feel like a lot of times people have expectations of what a school is gonna be like, and it's not actually how they thought it would be, you know? So it's mm -hmm. cool that you were able to experience that. Yeah, I also think I asked the difficult questions to students? Yeah. So or to, like, to, you, did you ask students or like admissions? Students. Yeah, because they could, yeah. yeah. <laughs> admissions are going to give, <laughs> right, yeah. you know, their framed perspective of what's going on. So like, what kind of questions would you ask them? Um, so I would ask like, what are your interactions like in the classroom? Okay. Right? Like, what are your professor to student interactions like? Right. Mm -hmm. So like faculty to staff, what are those relations looking like? Um, what are your involvement with student orgs? Like, what's your study schedule? Um, how are the resources? What's the faculty like? Like different things that would really shape how my experience would be. So I don't know. And so, like when you ask this, at, I'm I'm assuming you ask at different schools, and you would get very different answers. Well, I would ask certain people, and I would get like you know the blank slate. Well, you know, professors yeah. have office hours. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, every school's hard. So, like, you just got to study. Like, you know, those yeah. those generic answers. And then yeah. I'd ask certain people, and they'd be willing to open up more and say the difficult things. Like, actually, I've had conversations with people where it was blatantly racist. Actually, I've had experiences where professors, where they spoke over students. I had, you know, like, things like that where... I felt like that is what I appreciate more than just a blanket statement. It's like, you'll be fine. You know, law school's hard everywhere you go. I don't think that's helpful. So how did you hear about the pre-law program that you were doing? Which one? You did multiple. Yeah. So like I did the, the Ron New York Brown. Leo, right? Okay. Yeah. So the New York Leo program is a program that I did prior to coming to Columbia. So that was after graduating from Spelman in that summer period. But you, so, okay. So then you, what were the other ones that you did? So I did the Ron Brown prep program prior to my junior year of college. Okay. Um, which, one, then, which one was, I, I'm assuming that one was more, like that one made a bigger difference for you in terms of your career path. The Ron Brown one? Yeah. I would say yes. Okay. Because um, 
Because a part of the experience encompassed a mentorship program with Hughes Hubbard and Reed Law Firm. Mm -hmm. And through that program, I met two of my mentors. One was a second year associate and the other was a partner. And I just felt like my interactions with them was very beneficial to me as far as figuring out what I wanted to do, figure out, figuring out what it actually meant to go to law school, figuring out what it actually meant to be a lawyer, things like that. What, um, what, what did they show you? Because I think that's the thing that a lot of people have trouble with. Like when I was deciding? Like what, what were kind of things I saw? Yeah. So I literally saw, like some of it was I literally talked to them about the work they were doing. Yeah. Like, you know. And what, were, like, what are the kinds of things that they told you about? So the partner <laughs> <laughs> was an entertainment attorney. So uh -huh. he literally, I was like, you know, can't disclose too much. But he literally yeah. showed me like deals that he was working on. Some of his clients, you know, like trademarking agreements, copyright agreements, things like that. And it was just interesting to read through it. And then um, the second year associate was a litigator. So she, she showed me a little bit about um, the memos that she was working on, the history behind a lot of the cases that she was on, just what it meant to be a litigator overall, even though I feel like my understanding was still very vague before I started law school, but just that experience in itself really showed me what it was. Cause I feel like I had no idea, right? Like I had no lawyers in my family at that point. I had no idea what it meant to be a lawyer. So that was really helpful. And you didn't have any like older friends like Spellman alum that you had known while you were a, like sophomore or junior or whatever that were going into law school? No. Wow. Not at all. Like I knew some that were going into med school or like post-bac schools before going into med school, but I didn't know anyone going into law school. Okay. We're going to talk a little bit more about how her experience is like now that she's at Columbia. So if you guys have specific questions about that, feel free to submit them. I know we already have one now. So why don't we talk about that? So Celeste is asking, hi there. I was wondering if you are involved with any student organizations. Hi, Celeste. <laughs> <laughs> I am. So the student organizations that I'm involved with, let's see. Um, well, I'm on a student-run journal, which is the Columbia Journal of Race and Law. I am, well, I was on the outgoing board of the Black Law Students Association. I was a social chair. I am a member of Empowering Women of Color. I am a part of the Rikers Island Book Club, which is literally a book club where we travel to Rikers Island and we discuss different literary works with the women there. Um, and I am a mentor for the high school law institute. So those are some of the things that I've done. So, okay, speaking about the things that you're involved with, which one do you think has had the most impact on you? Mm. <laughs> That's a good question. That's what we're here for, right? <laughs> um, I think the answer to that for me is twofold, right? Yeah. I think that being on the BOLSA board, Okay excuse me, has really yeah. taught me what it means to um, work, work as a team, right? Mm -hmm. To run such a large organization to kind of fulfill different needs. And like the difficulties that come with that, right? Like running a business or whatever it is. So that has taught me a lot. And I think that that was very impactful. Wait, sorry, how did running a business in terms of what? Like just like what it takes, like because okay. it was so stressful, because it took so much work. A lot of that I did not but expect. Being in Balsa? Yeah, like okay. being a part of the executive board. Okay. Because you know, we had like, you know, 100 events in, over the year. Like wow. we had tons of events. Which one so, were you most heavily involved with? Balsa, yeah. No, 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 like within Balsa, which events? Oh, um, I was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah. um, I'm listening. Which events? Um, so I planned the retreat. Okay, right. the retreats are so fun. Can you tell a little bit about like what the retreats are like at Columbia? Okay, so what the yeah. retreat is, specifically the Bolsa retreat, because that's the only one I've been on, okay. is it's mainly targeted towards first-year students just yeah. to help them kind of adapt and get familiar with the law school environment. Uh, we planned our retreat very early on. I spent the entire summer planning it. Like I literally be at work while working like, oh wait, I gotta get on a phone call to figure out you know, if we can go up to see this place. Uh, the retreat, our retreat, we had about 70 people attend, so it was a lot, and it's literally just a mix of first-year students, second-year students, and third-year students, all just having a good time, um, uh, having bonding events, like we did a lot of team-building events and things like that, and that was very helpful, so it's really fun, it's really fun. Um, yeah, and I guess the second part of that answer to the first question about which ones were most impact impactful to me yeah. is the Rikers Island Book Club. Okay. And I feel like can it... You, can you say what that is first? Because I don't know if everybody knows. Okay. So yeah. Rikers Island is a holding um, jail for people, like I guess for people, right? Because there's a women's facility, there's a men's facility, there's a kid's child facility, well, juveniles, I should say, not kids or child. Um, 
So, so yeah, so that's that. And what the book club is, like I said, is a couple of us in Bolsa go and we talk about these different literary works. We talk to these different women, only in the women's facility, about their experiences, you know, just like talk to them, basically like converse, have a good time. And it's a great time for me. And it's a humbling experience, right? Like to see someone who is willing to be so vulnerable with you as a stranger, right? And it's also like, I'm willing to be vulnerable with them um, to know that they're in such a harsh predicament, to like hear about what they're going through, to hear about being distanced from their families, things like that. And it also makes me very grateful for the position that I'm in and very humble. So. Okay, so somebody's asking, Bridget is asking, hey ladies, I'm wondering if you can speak about law school funding. Does the early decision agreement at Columbia decrease any chances of scholarship? Did you do that? Ooh. Hey Bridget. <laughs> nah. <laughs> so is the early decision, I can't remember, is it binding? I'm not sure. I didn't do early decision either, so. But I would say, don't do anything that's binding, period, in my opinion. I think so also, honestly. Right, because like, it's like, even though you may have a higher chance of getting in that way, because of the fact that you're bound by the time you get in, you can't negotiate scholarships, right? And that's a major It is binding, part. she says. Okay, yeah. So, yeah. right, there are benefits. If you really feel like you're not going to get in, I can see you wanting to do that. That's really, really, really where you want to go. But also in your personal statement, you can really, really, really express that that's where you want to go if that's really where you want to attend. But the fact that if you're bound, you can't negotiate scholarships, right? Like you can't say X, Y, and Z school gave me this amount, so I'm really considering it because of the financial burden that it would um, be on me to attend Columbia, but I really want to go to Columbia. You know, can you reconsider my financial aid package? I think that if you're bound, they're not going to, right? And then at the end of the day, law schools are businesses, so I doubt that they're gonna be flexible if you're bound to them anyway. I think that's great advice in general, not necessarily just for Columbia, so. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so I can't tell what your name is, but you're asking what programs or opportunities do you think are unique to CLS compared to other schools? Hmm. I don't know, because I don't really know what's going on at other schools, but I will say that was there anything that stood out to you like when you were looking at different law schools? I guess you, you kind of mentioned your experience with like the people of color and stuff like that. Was, mm -hmm. it was, there were more people at Columbia compared to the other schools, but were mm -hmm. there any, was there anything else that stood out to you about Columbia? Um, I can say a little bit of what I, I, I would, yeah. I, if I could answer that question, I would say, um, I think some of the opportunities that are unique to Columbia are um, unique to the fact that it's in New York and New York is the legal center in America. So uh, a lot of, there are a lot of great opportunities for like externships and things like that while you're a second year or third year. Um, and just in general, like throughout the year, there'll be events that you can go to in New York just because it's New York. So I, I feel like I found that to be unique to Columbia and also because it's one of the top schools, like um, there are a lot of great speakers that will come to Columbia when they're in New York, if they're not originally from here or if they're not working here. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Like, I definitely can emphasize on the amount of opportunities that you get, like, the number of opportunities, right? Like, if you want to go into the private sector, there's so many opportunities. Well, I guess this may be unique, right? Like, yeah. last summer, I was um, the New York Bar Fellow from Columbia. Okay. And through that program, I was placed at the Bank of New York Mellon. And I feel like that opportunity was very unique in the sense that not a lot of first-year students are allowed to go in-house or are able to go into the private sector. Many people do work public interest jobs. And even though that's great, right, because you need to have people in those positions, and that's also a very um, underrepresented path at Columbia, I believe, because a lot of people do go private. For those who want an opportunity like that, it's here. So I think that's, that's interesting. At least for me, that's been a... A program that I don't think I could have been involved with elsewhere. Also, if you want, excuse me, if you want to go into big law, 80% uh, 80% <laughs> yeah. of our class ends up going into big law, so it's a good path. Um, okay, so uh, I guess another question that I want to ask you is how do your first two years, it's almost been two years that you're at yeah. home, how do, they yeah. how do they compare to like, how does the reality of your first two years compare to the expectations you had coming in? Um, <laughs> that's interesting. I would say... Like, did you have a lot of expectations coming in, or what did you think, so, you know? Yeah, so I did have expectations coming in, right? Mm -hmm. 
um, because of the prestige that came with Columbia, but yeah. also because of the fact that I did the New York Leo program, which yeah. was um, a program where we, we were housed at Pace University and we took classes, we took torts, we took CIPRO, wow. we took con law, and I think that was it, right? But it was like a six week crash course. And I would say based on that, the expectations of the cold calling and things like that matched okay. <laughs> what I expected okay. that they would be. They were actually more intense in the program. Like for one of the classes, we actually had to stand up. So Whoa. it's like, okay. So we didn't have to do that. We didn't have to do that. Wait, we should probably say what cold calling is, right? So, oh, right, right, yeah. right. Okay, so basically cold calling is you have to read the cases before your class. And then during your class, you don't usually you have no idea, but your professor can call on you and ask you questions about the case. And they could be as detailed as a professor wants. And they could spend as much time as they want with you. Um, and yeah, they just ask you questions and you have to answer in front of your classmates. It's very much. fun. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so that's what I expected it would be. Yeah. Um, the opportunities that I expected it would be... Um, I definitely didn't expect for there to be such a large, um, I guess, such a social environment. Okay. Right? Like, I expected a lot of people to be introverted, sticking to themselves. But I think that a lot of the events that we attend, whether it's, like, firm dinners and firm events or just social events held at the school, I think that that's a very different experience than I thought, than I expected coming in. But I, I feel like that's also dependent, very dependent on the person because... I, I consider, like, I see you as someone who's social, so maybe you seek out those opportunities and you go to those opportunities more than others might. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like that? It's fine. I mean, maybe... I mean, we, it maybe could you, be that. Yeah. I'm unsure, but yeah. I definitely felt like... There are a lot of social experiences. Right. Like, like my first semester, um, it was like, I'm going to study so hard, etc. <laughs> <laughs> but then I feel like once we entered into our tool year, it's just like, they're there for you, right? Like, they're different potlucks where you can you know fellowship with individuals even it's even in one of my courses which is um an experiential course experimental course what a, you don't yeah. know um, is it experiential 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 there yeah. you go <laughs> it's like a tongue twister but yeah. even in that course like the potlucks and uh the different events are literally built into it so that's like the fifth hour or things like that so i think that's interesting um Speaking of 1L, do you want to talk a little bit? Oh, there's another question. Um, what are experiential courses? So I don't know. I think someone else asked something. Yeah, well, I said. But I don't know if it's a general, um, if there is a general definition for them or if it's just like an what is umbrella your, term yeah, what is your for class certain like? classes. So for my class specifically, we have a lab. And we have um, an actual class, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, the actual class itself just primarily encompasses discussions where we talk about the readings, where we talk about how we've implemented some of the skills that are in the readings. And then the lab is really interactive. Where what class is this? Lawyering for Change. I mean, oh. excuse me, Lawyering Leadership. Okay. Um, so this is a new class. Um, it's co-taught by three professors. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> is it a night class? It's not. So okay. it's... Two hours on Mondays and then two hours on Wednesdays. So it's okay. a four-hour class. Um, so, yeah. And then in that class, you know, there are, like, a lot of workshops for, like, we had a retreat that was about three days. So, like, different things like that. But I don't know what... You had a retreat? Mm-hmm. You yeah. guys went as a class? Yeah. So Friday to... It was in New York, but it was, like, Friday... Where'd you go? ...to Sunday here. But it was just, like... <laughs> yeah, we didn't leave. But it was, like, literally nine to seven. Okay. Days, and what would you guys days. do? Um, so we did like literally different trust exercises, we okay. meditated, we wow. learned about meditation, we learned about like leadership skills and what it looks like to be a leader. Things like that were actually built into the course itself. So it wasn't the traditional black letter law class, no, right? Like it's like having that alongside corporations is great. You know, having that alongside different classes like that is helpful. Um, okay. And then Celeste asked, will you be staying in New York post-graduation? I am unsure. Right? Okay. Like, right now, I want to move to D.C., okay. but... So, in the short term, you're not? Well, I don't know. Oh, okay. Right? Okay. I may. I don't know. Because originally, I wanted to go to California, and then now I want to go to D.C. I don't know. I... <laughs> I'll figure <laughs> it out after this summer. Um, okay. Speaking about that, how is OCI? OCI on-campus interviews. Um, Columbia tends to do the, an early interview program in August, like the first week of August. And you do, like... Well, you, you can apply to get 30 interviews, 
and it's a lottery system so usually I think depending you can get between like 12 to 15 if you're lucky I guess I don't know I don't know exactly how it works like okay. but I know like I bid so I originally bid a lot mm -hmm. And then this was a benefit of being in-house, right? Like a lot of the attorneys who I worked with um, were partners or worked at law firms before. So like when I got my list back, I think I had about um, 19, maybe. Okay. I kind of did That's a lot. similar to how, yeah. but I also did, I only bid like 20, like 23 or 24. Wow. Like, so you so, got most of the ones that you applied to. Yeah. Okay. Most of them. Sorry. So um, yeah, so the bidding process, the way it worked for me, was that I kind of did it like, oh, I don't know. Uh, I don't think that's true, no. Sorry, okay, so Celeste is asking us, I heard um, a rumor that the number of interviews depends on your class placement, is that true? Not at Columbia. I don't think so. No, at Columbia, it's, you just, you have up to 30 bids, and depending on how high you rank them, you, could, you, you rank them in the order that you want, and depending on how high you rank them and how other people um, bid, then you get like a certain number. I, I think people get at least 10 usually, but it really depends on what you apply to and um, how other people rank the same firms. Right, yeah, so the way I ranked it was that I did like um, where I really wanted to go, where I'd be fine going, and where I didn't want to go. So kind of like safety, um, not really safety reach and realistic because what is, I don't know what they're considering. Um, so, but that's how I did it. And then when I got my list back, I spoke to a different, a good number of attorneys at the bank and they were just like you don't need to do all these interviews like you're gonna be tired like you're yeah. fine there's no reason to take all these interviews you know drop out of some so i dropped out of some I, I listened to them were you happy like with my decision to drop out of some of them at first i wasn't um because i wasn't hearing back but then once i started hearing back I'm like, okay cool like i'm glad i didn't do all those interviews and then i felt like I would have been exhausted. So they yeah. were right, right? Like doing 30 interviews, there's no way I was gonna do 30 interviews. Um, Cause a lot of them are back to back to back. You got like four or five, six, seven in a day. And that's just exhausting period. And like for anyone, yeah, for anyone, like to be talking that much about yourself over and over and over again, like <laughs> what you did this summer over and over and over again, that's exhausting. So I was happy with my decision. Was there anything specific that you learned in that process that you it would have been nice to know? Because I imagine you probably talked to people before, and you did. You already mentioned, but yeah, like, and they gave you some advice. But what have you learned from your own experience? So, someone's asked some questions. Yeah. But I would say from my own experience, I learned that it was good not to take all those interviews, and just like that, a lot of interviews. So you have to learn how to bring out what you want to relate to the interviewer during the interview, okay. right? So like, so for example, for example, if they say, <laughs> tell me about yourself, mm -hmm. like you don't want to just be like, you know, I'm from New York. I have five siblings. Like I have 30 cousins. Like you don't want to say, <laughs> you don't want to say things like that. You yeah. want to make sure they know your skills and things that aren't on the paper yeah. without saying it. Right. Mm -hmm. So you want to be like, you know, well, I'm a member of the Journal of Race and Law, like, you know, I'm a New York Bar Fellow this summer, like, things like that, yeah. but subtly bring them in, uh -huh. right? And you also want to be able to direct the conversation when the time comes, because if you feel like they're not, because they're seeing, what, 30, 40, 50 students in a day, like, a lot of these interviewers, um, especially when they're, like, group interviews, like, back to back to back, so you want them to literally remember you. And however best you, however you see that you can do that best is what you need to do. Like for me, it was really my personality and my ability to talk about my job that I had the summer before, like what I did at the bank and the relationships that I build. So things like that were, were helpful for me, I think. So I kind of utilize your strengths. Okay, so we have two questions. So one is Bridget, do any students from CLS do their clerkships at the UN? What are some things to consider when deciding where to do your clerkship? Oh, I I'm not clerking, so I have no idea. Okay. Um, Are you considering clerking? Maybe you can answer it. No, but I, Bridget, I'm going to follow up with you because I think I know people who are doing it, so, so I'll let you know. Um, uh, Celeste, how does CLS involve out-of-state firms for OCI? I'm interested in going to school up north, but would like to practice in the south. P.S. Sorry for all these questions. You're good. No, <laughs> yeah. So they're all, they're, they're a part of the process. Um, I actually did do one school. I think it was 
Actually, I think I dropped the interview, but it was Jones Day Atlanta. Like, I was considering Atlanta. Like I said, I don't know where I want to be. So I was considering. <laughs> That's okay. I mean, a lot of people Atlanta are in that place, Florida. right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't know. Right. It's just like, because I don't like staying somewhere for so long. You don't? I don't. Okay. That's why I went to like Atlanta and then I came back to New York. I don't know. I don't like staying places for a long time. Um, I just want to explore the world. Uh, but they have, a, I don't know, I wouldn't say a lot because it's difficult to kind of break into other markets. But if you do have a background in that area, it's easier, right? So like, I have a friend, just an anecdote, who um, went to school in Chicago. But when it came down to her interview, that wasn't enough. Like he was like, really? okay, yeah. He's like, okay, you went to school in Chicago, but what else? Like, how do I know that's why you want to go back to Chicago? So like, but that know, might be unique to their experience. Because I feel like I feel like that's a pretty strong, like people have other reasons why they mm-hmm. want to go somewhere, but yeah, I mean, well, not if you have one, if they're, if they're only accepting one person. Oh right, like, okay, I can fine, see, that's fair, that's fair. Yeah, I can see that's like fair. they want to, cause cause it's expensive, right? So they don't want to invest into you for a summer, and, and then you leave, and you and they know you're not coming back, right? Like if I'm like I just want to go to California because I like the beach, like, <laughs> and they're gonna be like, well, okay, like we're not gonna spend all this money to train you and to make you an efficient attorney for you to leave. So, yeah, well, I think so basically the, the the best thing to take away, I think, is just the fact that if you don't have strong ties to wherever you want to go to, it would make it really difficult. But we did have quite a few friends who are going to different places like San Francisco is a really popular one. Mm-hmm. But they mm-hmm. were actually from that area that they wanted yeah. to now go back to. Yeah, so, I think like D.C. too and L.A. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. a lot of people, I have a number of friends that are going there. But there are firms represented from different places. Definitely. Yeah. Even though New York is like... The top. Yeah. <laughs> but there's, there, there's different opportunities. Um, going back to admissions, do you have any advice for getting in off the waitlist or reserve group? Um, so I wasn't waitlisted. But... She just got into all of them. <laughs> Except one, but that's it. But I would say, like, cause it's difficult, right? Because I don't want to give advice. And right. It could be horrible. Right. Um, but just the advice that I've heard others give yeah, is, like, consistently update them when you have a lot going on, right? So yeah. if you got better grades, say, hey, I got better grades this semester. If you got a new job that you think um, somehow is reflective of, like, your own skills, your own subset, your own strengths, tell them, hey, I got this job. Um... If you can, would you say like a stronger recommendation? Like, I don't know. If that's Potentially, good. it depends. Like some schools have a have a limit, and if you've already reached the limit, like they won't accept any. Okay, so but yeah. you, but you could if you had if you sent two and that was the like minimum you could send, but you could send a maximum of three, then you could send another one. Mm-hmm. But you just don't want to send them anything unless it's actually very strong and something very different. Right. Um, so just those things, like you know, keep them updated on how you think that you're a. A even stronger candidate than when you apply. And if you get a promotion, you can also do that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're applying pretty early in the cycle, like if you, if you applied in October and you know pretty early on that you're waitlisted, you can also retake the LSAT if, if you if think you could do a lot your, better. That was one of your weaknesses. Definitely. Yeah. I think that's a strong one as well. Um. <laughs> All right. Personal it. statement question. You see it? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, well, say it out loud just everyone else. When it comes to writing a personal statement, where do I start? How can I set myself apart from the rest? Okay, I think maybe if we can talk like specifically how you did it, that would be helpful because, well, we can give general advice as well, but it'd be interesting to hear how you approach this. So I literally thought about what makes me me, right? And taking, taking a step back, I felt like it was a combination of my personality my ambition, like the goals I wanted to achieve, and um, my past experiences and what I've seen. So I tried to think about how I can best relay that without saying, these are my goals, I am ambitious, right? You never want to say it. (laughs) You want to show. You want, exactly, you want to show it. You want the reader to come to those conclusions on their own. So so I thought like, what are the stories that I can tell to relay these messages? And like, like you said, like one of the stories I told was like, I started working at 13 years old, and the way that I was exposed to different college-educated individuals was through these different work opportunities, right? So things like that. You want to think about stories? Well, I think it's beneficial to frame it in a narrative, right? Yeah. To tell like a story about yourself, yeah. but others will give different advice on that. I think it's beneficial to frame it as a narrative, and that's the advice that I got, and that's what I did. I feel like it's hard to show if you don't do a story. It's a lot more telling if you're not saying a story. Agreed. Agree, because if you're just at that point, it's just like you're listing things that are on your resume. Who wants to read that? Like you're reading hundreds of applications. Like no one wants to read that. Um, 
Okay, so another question that I had. Well, speaking about personality, so one of the reasons why I wanted to interview Sam is because she has such a fun, like, she, she has a lot of charisma, and um, besides everything else that she's accomplished, she has that on top of it. So we have another question. Lower payment program. Okay, we'll talk about that in a second. But um, I'm sure that might have, I mean, maybe that had an influence on your decision to start a, your own YouTube channel, but in just, just in general, maybe you could talk about why you decided to start your YouTube channel and how the experience has been so far. Because it's, it's difficult. It's not something that, you know, I don't think there's anybody else at our school doing yeah, that as far as... There's a lot of work. There's a lot of work. Yeah. And um, you're doing more than one, too. Yeah. So with YouTube, yeah. um, I just so believe it or not, I just really found out that YouTube was a thing, yeah. like beyond like music videos or just searching for general topics recently. Um, you know, people had channels, you know, it was like I was literally stepping into a whole different world and I thought it was exciting. I felt like one, I can do it. Uh, and I, it seems fun. And two, <laughs> there's so much information that I have that I think that people who wouldn't otherwise have access to it should, um, should have access to, right? Like okay. for free. So like, like, for example, like this okay. right now, like conversations like this, like, um, so one of my YouTube channels is just for fun, just to do whatever I want. And then the other channel is specifically dedicated to law school because of the fact that I feel like, um, firstly, there are like people of color are underrepresented in law school. And I think that a lot of, well, a bulk of the reasoning for that is because they don't have access to information. Okay. Right. Like they don't know what the process is like. They don't know when they should start things like that, period. So I feel like that was one of the reasons why I was dedicated to a channel about law school, which I'm doing with a friend. Yeah. Uh, so it's called Angel and Sam LLP if you want to check we're it out. We're going to put the link for sure so okay. everybody can check it out. So, so like, you know, we're talking about admissions. We're talking about advice. We're talking about the application process. We're talking about timelines. We're talking about deadlines. We're showing you what it's like to be here, you know? So it's different things like that. Like, how do you decide what law school you want to go to? You know, loan, things like that, um, that I think is a major consideration. But if you don't have access to that information, it's... It's harmful throughout the process. Uh, do we want to talk about loans? Have either of you taken loans from Columbia? What are the pros or cons? I've heard they have a good loan program for the university. Well, pros, you can go to school, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> Columbia is very expensive. Is very um, expensive. I think the cost of attendance is around 90K, right? Like on the, on the forms and documents. Yeah, it's 60K tuition, but then like including cost of living. Yeah, it's like yeah. around 90. Um, so it's very expensive, yeah. right? So I was in a unique position where I didn't have many loans from undergrad, so I was more willing. But it was difficult because it came down to like a decision of a full ride versus, you know, this tuition. I did get some um, aid, so I wasn't just faced with a terrible decision. But they do have, at least from what I hear, a pretty good a pretty good loan repayment program. But it's for people who are specifically going into public interest, right? I think so, so, yeah. It's limited. So it's limited. It's it's so but if that's what you're thinking about, um I think for well obviously we're here, so we thought it was worth it. Yeah. But that's a personal decision, I think. Like, you know, if you're willing to make that investment or not. But it's something to definitely think about because it's really expensive. But, you know, eighty percent of Columbia students go into the private sector, so yeah. <laughs> that'll tell you why like people are just so willing to take out loans. Um, okay, uh, do you have an idea about where you want your career to go in the next like two or three years or just generally? Two or three years? So I do want to go to a big law firm yeah. um, when I come out and... Why? Why? I mean, I just feel like I had so much fun last summer being mm -hmm. in-house at the bank. Like I was in investment management yeah. um, for half the time. I really, really liked the work. Like I really liked the work. I don't know what it was about it. Um, I enjoyed it. Like I enjoyed reading through the different contracts, being on the phone, negotiating, things like that. I thought it was really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta pay those loans. Yeah. So that's a part of it. No, that's but true. I thought it was really interesting. And um, I didn't come here to do public interest work. So it wasn't like I was just straight away from what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, so that was a part of it. I also think that there are skills that I see in lawyers that went to big law firms that I think that I want to possess them as well. So that's you think, so you think the people who don't do big law or don't, I haven't interacted with many people who hadn't started off in big law. So I don't know, but I would say from the people that I do know, there are things in them that I'm like, okay, cool. Like I can see how you got that skill by working in such a fast paced environment. Um, and I think it's an interesting lifestyle, right? 
Like, I watch Suits, and I'm like, oh, this is exciting. So, uh, besides big law, what have you considered other areas of law? No. Like, okay. like literally doing something else after I graduate? No, not necessarily. Not in the short term, but, like, maybe in the next two or three years. I think a lot of people stay in big law for, t- for, for a lot of people stay for, like, two years, and then they just mm-hmm. hang off. Yeah. yeah. Like she said, gotta pay those loans. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> but, No. Um, and if you're not thinking about making partner, a lot of times it makes sense to move on to something else. Mm-hmm. But it is a good background for a lot of a lot of options within uh, a lot of career paths within law. Um, what else did I want to ask you? Uh, so speaking about ambition and role models, I'm curious how your upbringing might have affected that. Oh. Hmm. Like a. Like a full-time job or just to make money? I'm going to repeat the question. Hi, ladies. I'm aware that CLS prefer you to not work while studying law, but in your opinion, can you do both? You're not supposed to work your first year, but after that, it's okay. Yeah, because I've got a few people that are doing But... (laughs) (laughs) You're not supposed to. Did she answer? Uh, I can't tell if she means like... If she means what? Like a, like, you know, like a career or... Because, like, everyone I know... So, I don't know anyone who has a career job. But yeah. I do know a few people who have, like, a side job just to maintain, you know, living and pay rent. Um, I mean, I know people who work, too. You're not supposed to, but mm-hmm. I know people who have done it. Yeah. That's, so, it's possible. Yeah. I think it depends on what you're comfortable with doing, even though you're not supposed to. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't think I can do it. But we also do YouTube, so <laughs> maybe that's the time we could be working. I don't know. Um, okay. What were we talking about? What's been your favorite part of CLS? Or actually, no, let's go back to that. So was there anything about your upbringing that you think has helped you get to this point in your life? I think... You have to be ambitious to get to where you are. You know, so I'm just curious, like, how the... We've talked about Spellman. We've talked about some of the people who've helped you at Spellman and role models and at high, in high school, your assistant principal. So, yeah, I'm just curious if there's anything else about your upbringing. I would think, like balance and work ethic learning that at a young age okay right? so like in high school i would say like in high school this is what a typical day looked like for me like i'd wake up at like 5 a.m do homework go to school took the bus to school um and in new york city that's the public bus it's not the yellow bus like they don't have those so i would go to school after school i would have basketball practice um after basketball practice, I would have AAU basketball practice. After that basketball practice, I would go to work at Burger King. So then I came home at 11, did it all over again. So... How old were you? At that 14? point, I was like... No, at that point, I was like 16 or 17. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm going to be 14. I think that's child labor laws. But... <laughs> you start working at 13. I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. But... Um, <laughs> so then once I got to college, I realized that I really knew how to balance things. Yeah. Right. And then I felt like that was a skill that was most beneficial to me in my adulthood, like learning how to triage early on, learning how to just really balance my time um, and keep myself sane with like my hobbies, I think. Uh, question from Celeste. Uh, how does your average week look like in school? It's very different as a 2L than a 1L. So maybe I, I feel like there's also yeah. a lot of ups and downs as a 2L. Okay. Right. Because it's like 1L is very much so go to class, come home, outline, practice exams on the weekends, like things like that. But now it's just like, well, I have a deadline for my note one week, so I'm just all focused on my note. Another week, I have an assignment for lawyer leadership, so I'm all focused on that. Um, Another week, you know, I'm planning an event for BOLSA, and it just takes up so much time. So it's just a lot of ups and downs as a 2L. Um, But it's just really, it's even busier than 1L. Really? So one yeah, hour is more stressful, but two hour is really busy, and a lot of it is the extracurriculars. Exactly. It's not even necessarily just your academic, like your classes. Yeah, it's not. Um, okay, so you were talking about the purpose of your YouTube channel mm-hmm. as being something where you want more people of color to have insights that maybe they wouldn't have access to otherwise. Mm-hmm. So if you had to say like the most important insights that you could share with them, what would they be? I know you've covered some of it, obviously, on your YouTube channel, but if you have to give, like, key takeaways. Key takeaways. Mentorship is important. Okay, and... It's hard. It's hard to find mentors. That's not easy. It's difficult. Like, I think people know that mentors are... It's it's really helpful to have a mentor, but they're like, okay, where do I... 
go. So do you have any advice about that? Like how to find a mentor? Um, well, so I have, so when you're looking for a mentor, I think it's better if it is built organically. Right. And well, I've been, yeah. I've been like fortunate to have that experience, right? Where people are willing to mentor me. But I would think don't, I would say, excuse me, don't try to seek out someone who's just like you, right? Because that can be difficult. It's like if I'm looking for someone who's like me, then it's difficult. But like some of my best mentors are like, for example, old men who <laughs> like baseball. Like I don't like okay. baseball, but I'm able to have those conversations and I'm able to learn from them in the same ways that they're able to learn from me. And also like mentorship is two-sided. So don't think that it's just give, 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 give with a mentor because you're a mentee like sometimes you also have to be willing willing to offer something like, right like um check in on your mentor like how are you doing yeah. general conversations like who who wants um someone always to contact them and just be like can you write me a personal statement well, can you write me a recommendation letter you know <laughs> like no one who wants that like right. realistically no one wants that so make sure you're also a good mentee in the same sense um so what else? Well, that was mentorship, yeah. right? What else did I say? So continue on with other tips. Yeah. Uh, start the application process as soon as possible. I she mentions that more than once, but it's really it really is does make a huge difference when you apply. They'll mm-hmm. have less spots. It really they don't it's just say rolling admissions. They mean it. It's and they'll have admissions. less money. They'll have less spots. It makes a difference. Like someone's package can look like two people's packages can look exactly the same, and the difference between applying in February. And applying in November could be admitted and not admitted. Like, that could literally be the result um, based on that timeline. So, yeah. So, apply as early as possible. Yeah. Um, Know that, I would say, don't be too deterred by numbers, right? So, like, if you feel like something is a reach, so you're not going to apply, I don't think that's a good idea. I think you should apply anyway if you feel like you have a holistic package, um, even if it is a reach school. You know, like, don't reach too high, but... No, it's okay. I mean, <laughs> the worst case scenario, true. they reject you. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but you're wasting money at that point. They're expensive. But, yeah, that's so it's true. Like, that's true. It's Depends. good to be hopeful, yeah. but yeah, also yeah. be realistic. Because um, I know some people who didn't apply to certain schools, they're like, oh, I don't. I just don't think my package is strong enough. And they're like, you know, like four or five points off. or like. But the most important thing, when she says package, like, the most important things are your LSAT. Like, that's like 75% and GPA interviews mm-hmm. question i'm going to repeat it any advice for cls interview with applicants mm. i would say like the advice that i gave for eip which is the early interview process if anyone missed it before but other than that i didn't interview so i don't really have like a columbia specific columbia specific so you, are, you mean the application process like when you're getting into columbia right mm-hmm. that's yeah. what, i think that's what they meant right yeah i think so too yeah so it's like just that general advice like you know things that you want them to know about you, you. weren't interviewed no i wasn't interviewed either sorry so we don't have advice about the interview process. But I can see, you know, I, I am planning on following up. If you guys are interested in these specific questions that we weren't able to answer, you're welcome to <laughs> you're welcome to uh, send me an email. It's before you take the LSAT at gmail.com and I can I can see if I can find the answer out from other people. Mm-hmm. But if you do have a good personality and you have been waitlisted or something and you feel like that's another asset, I'd definitely say take an interview. But you don't have an option. Either you do it or you, you know? What do you mean? If, you, if you're offered an interview, I think you have to, don't you? You have to take the interview? I think so. Oh, I don't know. I thought In it was optional. Oh. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> I didn't know that. Okay, I think... Oh, you said, said I think so, yeah. Uh, okay, I think we have like a few more minutes, like one or two yeah. more minutes. If you guys have any other questions, you can submit it. If not, do you have any other key takeaways that you want to mention? Just to make sure. No, I feel like I'm missing stuff, but that's okay. If you think of anything, tell me. We'll we'll let them know. Um, Yeah. Do you have any anything that any parting thoughts? Any parting thoughts about your whole experience, about your like the career path so far, like the things that you've learned up to this point. Oh, the things that I've learned up to this point. I would say that. um, I'm very happy with my decision to come here. Right, like Columbia has been exactly what I thought it was. We'll talk about that. Okay, um, sure. It's been exactly what I thought it was, as far as like touristy things. <laughs> uh, it's very different being a student in New York than it was to live in New York growing up. So that's been a, a great experience, also. And in what ways? And well, obviously I'm an adult, 
yeah. versus, you know, being right, 17. Right, you have more freedom, right. So I have yes, more freedom, but also, like, true. I'm able to do more things. But also, it's a different, it's just different. Like, I have a different perspective. Um, now I like different things, right? Like, I like to go to museums and stuff. <laughs> I like to go when I was younger. So it's different, and it's a great experience, and I'm definitely happy with my decision if anyone else is considering Columbia. And, you know, good luck. And law school. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's something I would say. Try to definitely have these conversations with lawyers and law students and admissions to make sure you know you want to go to law school. Because if you find out while you're here, like even if you're a 2 or 3 that this is not what you want to do, it kind of sucks to waste all that time and money. So, And there are people who end up in that position. So, All right, guys. I think that's it for today. If you guys have any other questions, you're welcome to comment them or send me an email or any of those things, um, I keep in touch with Sam. I, I, I feel like she'd be open yeah, I'd be to more answer. than willing to yeah. answer anything. So, and then the questions that we didn't... Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you guys for joining. And um, yeah, <laughs> they're so cute. Okay, cool. Okay, yeah. So if you guys have any other questions, yeah, feel free to email and comment and we'll get back to you. Thank you guys for joining and I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your Sunday. And Sam, thank you so much for joining. That was so fun. No problem. Um, and I'll put a link to her YouTube channel. Sam, it's Angel, Angel, and, Angel Sam and Sam LLP. LLP. Yeah. Bye guys. <laughs>